Hey everybody, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me again for the first time in four weeks, my friend, my uh the only member of the DC3 cast who's definitely taller than me. Zach is back. What's up, Zach? I'm back. I'm good again. You're good again, <laughs> exactly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> that one's for our, our Jilly Departed Vince. Um, <laughs> I know. If only he was alive right now. What you don't know, because the episode hasn't gone up yet, is he spent all of last week presuming you were dead. Well, so. he, I, I heard it. I, I listened to one of the episodes, and he, he made that joke then, too. So <laughs> okay. I'm glad he kept it going. <laughs> yeah. And uh, joining us, because Vince is not here tonight. Vince is uh, on a family vacation to Colorado. So he's probably smoking lots of legal marijuana and listening to... Uh, Dave Matthews band? What's, what's like a, a band you think will be big in Colorado? I don't even know. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. He's at Red Rocks. Let's say that, okay? He's smoking weed at Red Rocks. And so yes. um, joining us in his place is a, a relatively new member of the Multiversity family, but has, has quickly established himself as uh, one of our most active news posters. He is also doing the Young Justice reviews every week. And in the fall, he's going to be launching his own podcast on the Multiversity Podcast Network. This is the podcast debut for Mr. Kevin Gregory. Say hi, Kevin. Hey. Uh, why, don't, why don't you give our listeners like a 10-second biography of yourself? Where you're from? What's your favorite comic? Weird fact about yourself. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I'm in uh, Georgetown, Texas right now. I just uh, finished my... Uh, undergraduate uh, degree at uh, at Southwestern University. So it's right, Georgetown's right outside of Austin. So um, also near where people smoke lots of weed. <laughs> um, and uh, in the fall, I'll be starting at the, the University of Chicago, so making that big leap. Um, I haven't actually, you know, I haven't been writing a multiverse very long. I haven't been reading comics very long, just in the uh, in the past like two years have started reading. But I think right now, um, I think Detective is probably my, my favorite right now in the midst of all the rebirth stuff. Um, and then weird fact about me, uh, well, uh, hmm. uh, I, so, so I work at a church. I just got back from a fun, uh, mission trippy type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just, I'm really tired. Um, that's not really weird. That's not really fun. <laughs> um, it's a fact though. Yeah. Usually I'm in bed by this time. That's a weird fact. Okay, uh, there we go. Here. You, you you take Benjamin Franklin's advice to heart. Early to bed, early to wise, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So there you go. Ben Franklin's my hero. I'm, I'm literally looking at a Ben Franklin doll on my desk right now. So there we go. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that about you. I oh, really? something new every day. Do you know Ben Franklin was teaching people to swim until he was in his 70s? I didn't know that either. See? <laughs> oh. You could probably teach me a lot about ben franklin that i don't know do you know he used to take air baths where he would just sit naked outside of a window <laughs> and let the air wash over him no. he sounds like a very interesting guy oh he is the best you have to read a ben franklin biography it's the, it's okay. the greatest it really is okay. uh, anyway <laughs> we're not talking about comics at all yet uh well, that's pretty on brand so it is pretty hashtag on brand for us so zach you were away for a month you were in japan um did you happen to see the batman of japan while you were there um no i i didn't um pro- he he was 
very he he was too stealthy. I didn't see him anywhere. Okay. Um, uh, I I did see some American comics. Oh, did you? Um, yeah. So, um, in, in a big bookstore I went to, um, they had. Well, first of all, like the the manga sections in Japan are huge like entire floors devoted to manga like if we treated comics like that in america it would be it would be insane um just like you it, it would be uh i can't even describe it like you would be able to go to any any store and and find whatever volume of anything you ever wanted you know and that you know it, it would be fantastic not like when i go to barnes and noble and and they only have like the most recent volume of anything um but in in the like a corner of the like manga floor there was a section of american comics like graphic novels all um you know all like the japanese versions and they were really cool so i took some pictures and uh, i meant to send them to you guys but i forgot because i'm terrible <laughs> that's okay uh but so i was thinking that you were not necessarily keeping up with you know the entirety of american comics while you were gone because you had you know other important things to do while you're traveling so i put together a little quiz for you here to see how much you were paying attention to not just comics but also our podcast while you were gone so oh, man, i'm gonna fail i know you are and that's part of the fun <laughs> so um I, I was trying to do something about each of the three uh, guest hosts we had so far that has have been released. Uh, by the time our listeners hear this, uh, Paul Lai will have also been on the show. But, you know, you haven't had a chance to hear that yet, so I, I, can't, I can't give you a Paul question. But I was thinking back to, uh, to Kyle's appearance, and Kyle's appearance, we talked about Dark Days of the Forge so much that there's not much, like, fun trivia from that episode, so apologies to Kyle Welch. But um, we'll start with Alice. Which book did Alice sort of like when she guest-hosted, Zach? Was it A, Cyborg, B, Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, or C, Harley Quinn? I'm going to say... Oh, man, what's, like, on-brand for Alice to like? Um... It also doesn't help that I haven't read any of those books. So. <laughs> well, that's, that's partially why I chose the books. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to say Dark Knight 3. Uh, is incorrect. It was Cyborg. Her 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 reasoning was that it's crazy. <laughs> like She couldn't believe how batshit it was, which is kind of true, but we'll talk more about Cyborg in a little bit. Uh, let's move on to Greg Matasevich. Uh, Greg loved one of the Looney Tunes crossovers. Which one? Was it Marvin the Martian, Martian Manhunter, Lobo Roadrunner, or Wonder Woman, Tasmanian Devil? Um, Lobo Roadrunner. Correct? Yeah. Did you read that issue? No, I didn't, but you can't go wrong with the main man. Uh, it, you can, and that issue does. I don't know what Greg was thinking. <laughs> I told him that. I was like, this is, it's a weird, it's a really weird issue. Um, somebody actually says out loud, that's one Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Not joking. Just, you just, you just gotta know. I mean, that's, it's important. It's important. It's important to know that he's Wiley. That is true. That is very true. I don't know what I was thinking, arguing with that logic. Key character trait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Just> <laughs> um, so, okay, let's, let's get into some of the real stuff here. Uh, Zach, which was not announced as a one shot spinning out of the metal, uh, crossover, which one was announced? So I'm going to give you three. One of them is real. Two of them are not real. Uh, a Mister Terrific one shot, Hawkman Returns, or the oh, sorry Hawkman Found, 
or uh, the Legion lost in the multiverse? Uh, which one is real? Yeah. Uh, the Mr. Terrific one? No, Hawkman found. Really? Yes. Okay. What? Okay, tangent. Was there a Mr. Terrific thing announced? Because I thought I... On one of the podcasts, you had mentioned something about a Mr. Terrific book, but I hadn't seen anything about that. No, he was just, he was in Dark Days, The he Forge. Was just in a, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, so Hawkman Hawk, Found is really Hawk happening. Found. What's the creative team? Have they announced it? They have not announced it. It was, they, DC tweeted out an image, a checklist of all the metal books. And there's a Batman huh. one shot and a Hawkman one shot that have no creative teams announced just yet. Interesting. And that's like, the Batman one shot is like in. It's separate from all of those weird, funky yes. Batman things, right? Yes, it's not one of the seven... That sound like terrible ideas. Yeah, but... they sound like terrible ideas, but there's some decent creative teams on them. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of it's like the normal creative teams. Well, like, like yeah, there's like, you know, Josh Williamson and Carmine, uh DJ Domenico have a book, and uh, Dan Abnett and somebody have a book, and... Uh, oh, yeah. Tan. And Phil Tan, yeah, yeah. So, you know, some of that stuff will be pretty good. Um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll keep on the Dark Days, uh, track here. Which character was not hinted at or shown in Dark Days of the Forge, Zach? Was it A, Monel, B, Plastic Man, or C, Mr. Terrific? It was Monel. Correct, it was not Mon. There was no Monel, sadly. I uh, wish there was a Monel sighting, but I, I know you there do. were so many other good sightings in there, I'll let it pass. So let me ask both of you guys, what was, what was your favorite part of that one shot? Uh, uh, Kevin, did you enjoy the one shot? I did actually, and I I had kind of texted you about it. I think there's, it was just it was just full of full of craziness, and I think uh, for me, and I put it in our the Saturday morning uh, panels thing that we did when Batman's in the Fortress of Solitude and he finds the uh, the anti monitor machine from Crisis on Infinite Earths mm-hmm. and all that. I, I thought that was crazy. That's not something that I, I expected from that story, and, and not something that I I guess expected uh, Snyder to pull from since he you know had been te- teasing this as kind of like a Batman centric event. Um, I didn't feel I didn't picture like that that aspect of like the craziness of the DC multiverse to be in that special. Yeah, Zach, what did you think briefly of the one shot? Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, it, <laughs> tell, it, tell the listeners how you described it to me and Vince. I don't remember what did I say. You said it was the best thing DC's published since the DC Universe Rebirth one That's shot. That's right. Yes, yes, I wow. do feel like that, and it's I so. I've wanted Snyder to like get into like the broader DCU for a long time, just because he has almost exclusively done Batman. And I think either you or Vince said that this was like Snyder doing his best Jeff Johns impression. And yeah, it was totally yeah. spot on. Um, yeah. Oh, I love this so much. But if I had to pick like my favorite part, um, that's really tough because I'm like a super big Mister Miracle Mark. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that stuff, but I think my favorite thing in the issue was the Hal Jordan Duke team up. Mm-hmm. Not not counting like the Joker stuff necessarily, like that stuff. I'm not you know like whatever Joker's whatever, but like those two together, I thought I thought that Snyder wrote a really good Hal Jordan. I agree. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed that part, and plus Duke is just like a cool character, and we don't see him enough. Agree with that. Um, I'm a huge Mr. Terrific Mark, so I loved seeing that stuff uh, show up again. I think that he's a character that... I I was thinking about this the other day, actually. All of us have been talking about 
when the Justice Society returns to get Jay Garrick and Alan Scott back. But I kind of hope it's not just the, like, 1940s Justice Society, but we also get more Mr. Terrific, Our Man, Wildcat, like, all the modern characters as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, very cool. Any other uh, Forge thoughts? Um, it's been a minute since I read it. But there were a lot of things, just all the all the like cool multiversal stuff. Um, Hawkman is good again. Mm-hmm. Um, he was never bad. Well, that's definitely not true. <laughs> he was definitely bad for a long time. Um, it was called when Rob Liefeld wrote him. That is true. Um, so that's not his fault. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that uh. That was all good, and even I, well, I can't I can't actually remember if the Romita art was very good, but it I'll wasn't. stay on brand and say that I liked it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I can't wait for uh, the casting next week. Is it next week already? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Am I so, missing the casting show? I think you're gonna miss the casting. No. Yet. Oh man, good thing I edit this show so I can just change. Uh... <laughs> Change everyone's opinions to reflect my own. It's like chime in there at the end and just you know discredit everyone. Yeah, I, oh, I, I, I will be sure to do that. <laughs> Hear you, me. I will do that. All right. Can I, can I just say really quick though, like off sure. that, I really like how they're doing these one shots leading up to like the main series. It really just feels like part of the main series, but it's not. And I, I just, I just really like the build up. Um, this is probably the best job DC has done at building to a crossover in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly a company-wide crossover. I think we've, yeah. we've all been fans of their like small micro-crossovers they've done, whether it's Superman Reborn or um, Night of the Monster Men, those things. But in terms of the big yeah, company-wide crossovers, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then your last question on your quiz here, Zach. Uh, who was announced last week as the new Wonder Woman writer? Tim Seeley, Mark Wade, or James Robinson? James Robinson. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> did you? How much did he squeal? Well, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit uh, last time. I, I feel like, I mean, you you know, you know, I, I love James Robinson like God loves the poor. Like that's it's something that's it's not even a, a question. But I don't know if Wonder Woman is the best place for him at DC. I could. I can see that maybe it's a uh, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting, like which James Robinson we get, um, because I know like his his stuff at Marvel hasn't been super well received, and a lot of his like more recent stuff at DC was like kind of controversial or and or or not as well received. It, it'll be interesting to see like what his take on Wonder Woman is for sure. Yeah. Um... But who who was the artist? Was that announced? Carlo Pagulion. Okay. okay. Who I like. I like him. And uh, he's going to be alternating with Emmanuel Lupicino, who I love. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So. That's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm 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 particularly interested in the idea that it's um. It's just going to be uh, six months with the story. Oh really? Yeah, they've announced like you... it's a six month run. 
Okay. Um, but it's also, it's like building off of like the Jeff John stuff, right? The, it like, is, yes. Jason thing? Yes. Okay. And, I was wondering like when that was going to come around and it totally makes sense for James Robinson to be the one doing it because he is like been a Jeff Johns collaborator before. Yeah. And he's the king of making bad ideas work. Uh, yeah. So that's a good thing. Um, again, we talked about this on the Paul Lye episode that hasn't been announced yet, but Robinson also announced via Twitter, somebody had tweeted to him about cable in the like Marvel legacy era. And he said, I wouldn't know I'm back at DC. Oh, so he is like firmly back at DC full time. It, it appears, which yeah, as you, that's like a pretty big deal. Well, that that's we were talking about last week. Like you know, at this point, I feel like the like the only two people who could make even half the impact. One of them would be last one would be more would be Ed Brubaker, who would be slightly less than Robinson, or Mark Wade, who I think would mean more than Robinson. Yeah, Mark Wade would be like. <laughs> That would be a huge get, considering how big the animosity between he, him and DC has been. Yeah. yeah. And also, if he did come back, like, hyper time will happen. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, it's already been name dropped. Like, oh, man. Oh, what if we get, like, another 52? What if 52 happens again? <laughs> now. Three. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you're, you're, you're a relatively new a comics reader do do names like james robinson mark wade greg rucka do those announcements get you excited or does it just kind of feel like okay people are excited and therefore i'm glad they're excited but i don't really care uh definitely the people are excited so i'm excited aspect of it but also i don't know i've in the last couple years i've gone back and read a lot of stuff like i've read um 52 and i've read uh robinson and and jeff johns's uh jsa and Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and that's it's wonderful uh kingdom come is my hands down my favorite um like comic ever yeah kingdom come was like in the first batch of comics i ever read so and yeah it's it's good (laughs) i found the like the prestige format like the issues at a at a store um i think last year and and bought those and so yeah no i think if if any of those people came back, it'd be really exciting. I think uh, Robinson on Wonder Woman um, for this story, like I was saying, makes a lot of sense since it's um, spinning out of this thing that that Jeff Johns has already done. And I know that people are are frustrated because it's not um, somebody like Marguerite Bennett doing it. But mm-hmm. I think they get past this very specific um, rebirth storyline that I I think will probably have some you know some big um, outward meaning because it said in the solicit that it's going to be some kind of like cosmic crisis or whatever else yeah. um, that it'll you know they can they can go from there um but no i think that it's it's really cool having all these big names back and especially with um you know things like dark matter happening and with all these uh older characters coming back and you know like dark days of the forge there's room for those um kind of seasoned creators to come in and to to resell, retell stories with these characters that we haven't seen in a really long time yeah uh, bleeding cool had two articles up today which were, of course, pure speculation, but hashtag bleeding cool. Um, the first was about, and we've talked about this on the show in the past, how there's going to be an imprint that Jeff Johns talked about. It's going to be more prestige format, artist-driven, whatever. And the Bleeding Cool is reporting that Mark Doyle is going to be editing that line, which mm-hmm. is good news for everybody because Mark Doyle is is very, very good at his job. He's a good editor. So that that's a good thing. But the other thing is that DC apparently has been reaching out to a ton of Marvel creatives because people are so upset with how the Marvel legacy announcement happened 
that DC is hoping to snag some people to come over to DC because of this. And I feel like there's not much more to snag. Like, no, who would they? Who would they take? Like, uh, artistically, good old good good old Nick Spencer. uh, (laughs) Ryan, some some fun old. uh, Oh, let's have let's have Nazi uh, Nazi Wonder Woman or something (laughs) crazy stories going on. I don't I don't know. There's anybody at at Marvel, maybe on the artist side, but. I mean, I, I, I would take Mark Wade. I would take Al Ewing. Um, oh, Al Ewing could do yeah. this. He is like their most underrated writer, I think. I agree. If, if have either of you read the the Loki book he did a couple of years? Yes. Ago? Man, that's so good. Like up there with with Gillen's Journey into Mystery, I think. Like. I don't know if I say so up good. there with Gillen's no, Mystery is. Uh... I would say I'd say that it's like it's not as good, but it was like. I didn't read it initially because I thought there's no way it could come even close to it, but it came close to it, in my opinion. Yeah, wow. that's true. You it's cool. I did read Ultimates was one of the really good books of yeah, all, all different. Um, what I hope they don't do is like I have no interest in the aforementioned Nick Spencer or Dan Slott. Uh, come over. Uh, Jason Aaron, I would also welcome. By the way, yeah, I would yeah. gladly take Jason Aaron. I I wouldn't mind Slot, honestly. I just feel like Slot. I don't know. Some of, some of the blooms off the rose for that guy for me, but but I understand. Yeah. I understand the love of Slot. Um, if you gave him a fun cosmic book, it would be it would be cool because Silver Surfer's good, but it know. is. Yeah, but a huge part of that is Mike Allred too. No, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who's like squarely in DC's pocket right now? So yeah, um, except for Silver Surfer, that's like the weird outlier. Well, somebody told me that I guess he had that they do Silver Surfer, and this is all again rumor. Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. Um, hashtag Kanye. Hashtag Loopy. <laughs> hashtag Free Kanye. Um, but the uh, the rumor was that they do that book Marvel style, pardon the pun, and that um. Slot gave him like a bunch of outlines and already drew them all, and Slot is taking forever to script them. Interesting. So, but that again, all rumored in the end. They are listed as storytellers together in the credits for that book. So, yeah. So, perhaps. Uh, Zach, anything else from the month you were away that you want to comment on? Mm, there are things, but I think that they'll probably come up when we talk about these books. Okay. That, that's very fair. Um, before we go any further, let's take a short break. We'll be back in just a second with more DC3Cast. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. And we are back with our weekly book discussions. Um, I'm going to slightly reorder things because this is kind of a weird week. But the book I think we're probably all chomping at the bit to talk about here we're going to start with. And that is uh, Deathstroke number 21. The uh, the first issue of the new Defiance storyline, uh, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Diogenes Nivis. Um, this is uh, this is uh, certainly a new direction for the book. Uh, Kevin, are you were you a fan of Deathstroke? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. You're a smart man. 
Um, <laughs> so what did you guys think of this first issue of the new uh, storyline? This uh, is just I... the best. That's <laughs> been... Kevin, you say your part. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's still great. Um, and I, it's, this was, yeah, this, like y'all said, this is one of those surprises, I think, for me. I wasn't expecting this book to be, you know, anything that I, I kept up with. But it, it, it's one of the books that, like, really feels like it, it matters. And there's all the, um, all the, like, callbacks to earlier issues and earlier, like, earlier continuity things. Like, there's so many of the, um, like, the stars and they're saying, like, see this comic. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I, it's, it's so good. Um, just Slade sitting on the couch, petting a dog. I could, I could read that all day. <laughs> uh, I thought this was great. I think it's a really different book than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's always a good thing when a book surprises. And I think that the way, the way that they, are incorporating Wally into the book is really interesting. And I love the Wally Tanya possible friendship. I really enjoy that. I think it's interesting seeing Jericho and Ravager together. Um, Joseph and, uh, uh, Rose, you know, just, just the way that they're, they interact, I think is really interesting. I just thought this issue, every page brought something new, which is something that priests, Deathstroke has done so well so far. It's just continually changing as it goes along, but always feeling like it's the natural progression of where it's going next, you know? And I would have never seen this team coming. I, we had said on a previous episode, like, how how this is one instance where we wish that there weren't solicits ahead of time. Because mm-hmm. I can just imagine, like, turning, you know, doing the page turn here where you see that whole team in formation, and it's being like, what the fuck is this? You know, being really excited by the craziness of this team. Um, but yeah, I'm talking too much. Zach, talk a little bit about this. Um, this is just like the best book that I think is out there. Like, and not just in in DC. Like in general, this is just the best book. Like, I'm going to talk a little bit about like this issue and the last issue. Like, sure. last issue, just. Man, like how well they handled like like Slade's um like his like rebirth, you know, his like his like born again experience, like j- just like so well written and and so smart and so just like unlike anything that I would have ever ever expect from a, from a Deathstroke comic, and and just how well all these characters interact. You know, you mentioned um. Uh, Power Girl and and Kid Flash, just like I don't know, just like how smart it handles like the fact that she was once a Teen Titan and how that like works into the dialogue and and yeah, just like there are so many like wheels within wheels and dynamics going here and it's uh, it's always kind of been like a hard book to follow and I, I feel like now it's it's kind of getting to the point where it's, it's unpacked enough that you, that you can, it's lost a little bit of that complexity just in terms of like, you know, all the different threads going on, but it's, it's just because now it feels like it's more about the character dynamics. Mm -hmm. And, and now that we like know these characters really well, 
it, it's more just like how they they interact with each other but there's still like you know the subterfuge and the and the there's a lot still going on behind the scenes i don't i just can't say enough good things about this book what i think is really interesting is that uh last month alice had not read a single issue of this book until reading number 20 <laughs> which is <laughs> like a weird place to jump in yeah and she said like you know i have no idea what's going on but i want to read more and i feel like that just tells you everything you need to know about this book that yeah. somebody can step in 20 issues in to a truly dense and difficult book and be interested enough to keep reading i i just like can't I just want to recommend this to every person I see ever. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, do we know, have they said how long this Defiance storyline is going on for? I, I haven't seen anything. I, mean, I, I know it's been solicited at least through September, but I kind of hope this is the status quo for a long time. Me too. I hope we get at least like a year of this. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens when it hits 25, if it'll go back to, since the, like those anniversary specials have been kind of turning points for... Yeah, it's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. not. Yeah. But then again, like, I am fully on board with whatever Priest is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I I did not expect Deathstroke to be, like, the, like, creator-driven, defining run of the of the Rebirth era. But it is. Yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, counting the Rebirth issue and counting the other installments of the Lazarus contract, like, the first year of Deathstroke, I mean, holds up with the best years in modern comics. Mm. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, one of the high watermarks for me in comics of the last 15 years or so has been was the first year of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run. And I feel like this is a book that actually reminds me of that run. They couldn't be more different in tone and all of that, but just in terms of ambition and in terms of taking ideas that are germane to the characters, but taking them in directions you would never, ever expect them to go in. Uh, So yeah, this this gets the highest recommendation for me. That's pretty spot. That's a really spot on comparison and, and a good one because that's that might be like my favorite run of superhero comics ever. I knew we were good friends for a reason. Oh, I love that run. Yeah. One day we'll do like a bizarro installment of the DCT cast <laughs> where we only talk about Hickman's Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like total sidebar? Did you follow that through like Avengers and and? All of that in Secret Wars and everything. Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, I've read the Avengers stuff, but I haven't read the Fantastic Four run. Kevin, go yeah. out after this is over, find an all-night bookstore, <laughs> and buy those books. <laughs> it it makes Secret Wars so much more fulfilling. Really? Okay. It oh, makes man. everything. It's just <laughs> his Fantastic Four work is just. I mean. I, I feel like if given the right context, if Zach and I each had like you know a couple of beers in us, if somebody said "flame on" in the proper way, we'd both start to cry. <laughs> Am I right, Reed, Zach? Reed Richards may be like my favorite comic book character. Wow! After that, after that run, yeah, it's really good. It's so interesting I'll say that because neither of y'all could work at Marvel right now. <laughs> 
I, I mean, want to. <laughs> I mean, we are white men, so we'd be fine. <laughs> but zinger, 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 ding. Man, isn't it weird how <laughs> how much Marvel is like the new DC? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, let's get over to uh, to Batman number twenty six, the War of Jokes and Riddles Part Two, written by your friend of mine Tom King, illustrated by the great Michael Janine. Janine, however we're pronouncing it this week, and uh, gentlemen, what do you think of this so far? Real quick. What what was the temperature on issues twenty four and twenty five among the DC three? What was twenty four? That was the proposal issue. Oh, that was a, that was a steaming pile of garbage, uh, <laughs> according to <laughs> according to Vince and and me as well. Um, and then tw- we just felt like twenty five was the most Tom King book that ever was. And uh, yeah, we were not particularly fans of it. What did you think of them? I kind of like this. <sighs> I knew this day would come. <laughs> okay, I, and, and this issue was really... Okay, so 24, I was like, this is not a bad Tom King Batman issue, comparatively. 25, I was like, I don't really need this story to happen, but it's one of the... At least this feels like a, 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 like a normal human being wrote it, and... Okay, I can deal with it. But this issue was like, okay, now we're having like a villain civil war instead of like all the heroes fighting each other. That's actually kind of cool. I can get behind this. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, Kevin, what do you think of this issue? Um. Well, so I didn't, I didn't dislike this run as much as I do now until I started listening to this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's it's fine. I uh, I I kind of hated 25. Um, I I don't. It just it just feels like off to me in a in a kind of weird way. And I think I think I figured out Tom King's Batman. So um, I I read Sheriff of Babylon okay. over the weekend. Um, and I've read his like his novel that he writes, and every story that he writes, Omega Man, Vision, Sheriff, his a once crowded sky that book that he wrote. Mm-hmm. It's like basically nine uh, eleven uh, and the war on terror, just in all these other different ways. And right. so his Batman run is basically um, what if what if Batman lived in a post nine eleven world? And so uh, I think this war of jokes and riddles thing is like that i guess ramped up to the extreme um but i i just i can't i can't get behind that and and this book starts off with this guy who lives at number 69 dick spring avenue and i i was like i'm done i quit Uh, (laughs) um you are not wrong to have that opinion (laughs) oh it's like that's that's not when joker says yeah that isn't funny i'm like you're right man i agree with you yeah Okay, I I like this Joker better than Scott Snyder's Joker. Ooh. Oh, pumpkin! By like a lot. <laughs> I don't like Scott Snyder's Joker. All any time that the Joker is in Scott Snyder's Batman, that's when I tune out. Like Death of the Family, didn't like it. Um, oh, Endgame, I uh, didn't like it. Um, like 
I, I just don't care for his Joker, but, like, this Joker is, is, like, it's not a retread of, like, the Morrison Joker, and he's just kind of, I mean, I don't know, I guess we, like, haven't seen enough of it yet, but it, I don't know, I just, like, I like it. See, I'm, I, I'm a little more, like, ambivalent about his Riddler, but I like this Joker. I love Snyder's Joker, because he, I, I like that idea that he's, he's, on the same level as Batman, like he's he's an ideal rather than um, like a person, and I think you know this Tom King's Joker just like trying to find laughter um, and everything. Like like Snyder writes Joker as if um, like he lives in a world where he um, is like nothing matters, so I can do whatever I can do whatever because that's funny. We should do a Snyder Batman retrospective one day. That would be really fun. Yeah, but uh, I just really hated. I just really hated Death in the Family. <laughs> uh, I would actually like to go back and reread that. I was saying that recently. I feel like I, I, I wrote that story off as it was happening, and I don't even really know why. Um, but so uh, this is going to come as no surprise to uh, to Zach, but I guess probably not to Kevin either. But it's certainly not to Zach. So when Zach was away, Vince and I just texted constantly about comics because usually it's the three of us texting all the time. But Zach was in Japan, so it was just Vince and I. And Vince said, I'm going to see if I can find it on my phone, but he essentially said that every character in Tom King's Batman is pure id. That they just, they just like, they act on their worst instincts at all times. That is definitely true. That's and like, spot on. once he said that, it was like, okay, this is, this is exactly, I'm going to read you his exact, uh, his exact uh, text here. Every character in Batman is an avatar screaming out their most guttural traits at all time. Bane literally yells stuff like, I am Bane, and breaks people's backs. Batman spends his entire time unable to get over his parents. The Riddler speaks nothing but riddles. Cannot survive if he isn't riddling. The Joker just shoots person after person because it's, quote, twisted, unquote. Literally every character is their most base id over and over again. In Omega Men, not only was it a cast of characters who the reader had to, quote, figure out, but King kept their personalities and intentions somewhat malleable or ambiguous for a while. They all became fleshed-out characters. And Kyle Rayner was not written as, Kyle Rayner, all I do is draw. I'm the cute, creative one. He was a complex character, very much Kyle, but not a stock, screaming version of him. It's the best Kyle Rayner story ever because he feels like more of a human than Kyle ever has. Batman Elmer Fudd is the best Batman he's ever done. It's dumb as hell, but it fucking rules. <laughs> I haven't read that yet. Oh, it's so um, good. It's just really, really great. Okay, okay. I the first words in it are, Pway for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I will say that, like, so I, I, I want to, like, qualify i think a lot of my enjoyment of this riddler is just how much of his like characterization is based on janine's uh like expressions like like the pages where it's just like him reacting physically like i love i really enjoy that stuff Uh uh-huh i don't know that's just me i'm weird i like stuff that's dumb i mean i i like i like jrjr's suicide squad you so do. I'm, the, I'm the pariah. <laughs> um, I uh, I feel like there's a very thin line between a reference getting a cheer or a groan from me, and I oh, feel I feel like the mirror that was the worst thing is like on one hand you expect it to be the Joker, right? 
because you don't see a face. That's and why it's clever, Brian. Well, exactly. But on the other hand, it's like, of course it's not going to be the Joker. Of course King is going to make it the Riddler, because that's what King is going to do here. Um, I just feel like uh, this... We were talking about this last week, and I keep referencing a show that you guys have not heard, but the, but the audience has. So my apologies, audience. We were talking about the diff- the way that King handles the Bat family and the way that Snyder handled the Bat family. And we talked about that issue of Batman pre-death of the family where all Batman and the Robins all watch a movie together. And that was just like this really pure like scene of love between these characters. And every King character is just totally miserable. Nobody feels any love in this Batman book. No one feels anything but contempt and pain. It was like that the diner issue, or not not the issue, but the issue of King's Batman, where they were all at the diner and it was all like really, like forced and uncomfortable. Yeah, there was there was some funny stuff in that. I'll give it that. How how Batman would never Jokerize his fries or whatever. Like you know, there was <laughs> there there was some fun stuff there. But but again, yeah, like there's there's no there's no warmth in this at all. Yeah. And I feel like that's my biggest problem with the Batman Selena thing. Is just that it just feels so, it feels so forced because there's absolutely no warmth between the two of them. You, so, maybe what do you think about this? So, since the Morrison Batman run, mm-hmm. um, which was so like referential to like all of Batman's history, you know? Yep. I feel like both Snyder and now King have kind of in a reaction to that, like. Both of those runs are just highly, highly like referential to past Batman stuff in a like almost kind of like masturbatory kind of way. Sure. Like it's 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 in ways that like don't necessarily benefit or or you know improve the story. It's just like reference for reference sake. Like this issue had the the you know the Batman movie thing, and the twenty five had the. Um, the like year one reference like visual reference and it's just like none of that stuff really goes to like improve the story or expand on it it's just like it's just like oh here's some here's like a little you know like fan nod thing yeah and it's in like every issue there's something like that yeah I wonder if this is one of those things where I'm just, I'm at this point physically incapable of giving it a fair try. That's probably true. Well, and I feel like to the, going back to talking about that, that everything, everyone acts uh, in this story, like completely out of pain. Like, I think, I think for me, when I think about it, I think of, of Neil Gaiman's, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader and that, that end where like he's, he's talking to his mom and that kind of weird space out dream and she she he's like you know basically in the same way that in the first issue of this book uh batman's like is this a good death and that and that story martha's like oh you know you don't you don't get all these toys you don't get the back cave what you what you get for being batman is that you get to be batman and so like it's this this sense of like pure kind of enjoyment like that what you get out of it is that you you get to do this you you win and and king writes that is like that batman like hates doing this like he he does this because he thinks he's going to be happy and he he will never be happy or or like with his marriage proposal like this i'm in so much pain so i'm going to get married 
um, <laughs> which I guess is maybe what modern people do. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it, something about it just seems, it just seems off. Like, I feel like on some level, Batman enjoy like Bruce enjoys this. I don't know. He has to enjoy it on some yeah. level. I, I hate to like keep making like making like the, the Kanye references, but I think I realized that maybe this run is basically just like an adaptation of the song Power. Um <laughs> with like, you know, the the beautiful death and and I'm waiting for the King the King Crimson sample. <laughs> It'll probably come in this. Probably. I feel. I feel like the Joker could like style himself. Like King Crimson could be one of his like new, new personalities. Sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, again, like you know, one of the things I think about all the time with all this stuff is like the, you know, there are only so many ways to do Batman, right? Like we 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 talk about this all the time how. This is referencing so and so's run, and this is referencing this. There's only so many ways to do Batman, but King has picked to me the least palp, the least like palatable version of Batman, and uh, like I said before, maybe I'm just physically incapable of enjoying this book at this point, and I hope that's not the case. I hope I can give things a fair shot. You know, I think I've come around on a lot of things that I used to not like because I gave it a shot. I keep giving this a shot, but I keep feeling the same way at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I I definitely think that like post like since the bane stuff wrapped up this book is significantly better and i mean that may be up from like a three to like a six but that's a 100 percent increase <laughs> i do think this book's better when when it's janine or, or jared's on it rather than david finch well yes sure. yes that's that's a definite <laughs> there is Yes, that is a that is a bingo. There there is no doubt about that. Uh there's just there's just something to me really crippling about Finch's art. Mm-hmm. Um and it certainly adds to the doom and gloom that is this book also. Um but yeah, but let's let's move on. Actually, I did have a little Oh, sure, Kevin, go ahead. Uh so when when Joker's like in like Carmine Falcone's like mansion thing and Penguin's there, is that like a because Gotham the TV show is a thing, or is that like did Penguin always work for Carmine? I I I didn't actually know. Me as a noob, because that's something that happens in that show. Is that like Penguin's one of his like goons and then rises? Yeah, I bet it's both. That's like a. Okay. I think that's probably like a King retcon. Also, TV synergy thing. You're probably okay. right. I don't, I mean I don't rem- I don't know, but it seems like that. It seems like it's something that probably has happened at some point whether that's current continuity or not i can't tell you but i'm sure at some point the falcons and the uh cobblepots had business together that'd be my guess yeah uh, well he's like literally one of his just like his like lower people like his goons like he's not even a like a crime lawyer himself like joker tells him like okay you're in charge now because i killed everyone but i don't know Wait, that that's not the penguin, is it? I thought. Yeah, it, I think it. I thought it was. Hang on a second. So, like, I was confused because it clearly looks like the penguin, but he's also lift, listing off names of people who died at the same time. Right. That's what. Yeah. But um, don't we see the penguin taking a side in the bat in the in the war, like in full on penguin regalia? 
Well, but I think that comes later, right? But how much later could it come? Well, it seems like there's, like, a bit of time that passes, like, between, like, that's, like, the stuff in the beginning of the issue and then, like, that kind of montage at the end. There's, like, a an escalation of sorts. I guess that is Penguin. I just, I, I didn't even put that together because I just felt like there's no way that that would be such a uh, throwaway moment. Actually, no. Penguin's not even shown in that Yeah, work. he's not in that montage. Oh, okay. Then I take that back. That is... I just felt that was <laughs> there was no way they'd be doing that. So well, here we are. Oh, Kevin, I I think you're right. I think that I think that this is definitely then a Gotham uh, synergistic moment, which is also something that's very very silly to me. Because yeah. I don't know anybody who likes Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> it it's also weird how this is basically just like zero year two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't know. I, I did meet somebody who liked Gotham the other day. They, somebody was on one of those those church trip lists, and they're like, "Like, oh, what do you do?" It's like, "Well, I, I work here, and then I, I write for this comic book." So she's like, "Oh, do you watch Gotham?" And I was like, "Hell no." <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's funny is that um, like Gotham is probably wildly successful, and I have no clue. <laughs> you know, like it's just it's. <laughs> It's it's a DC property I don't engage with at all. I watched the pilot. I watched half I, the season and it's like this is horrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm about the same. I watched some of the first season. Um, unimpressed. Yeah. Well, let's 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 scoot over to Green Arrow number twenty six, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Stephen Byrne, one of our one of the DC 3s favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Um. So this starts a new arc. This brings the Flash over to the book, which is interesting. Uh, I really wanted them to have like a really catty fight over Hal Jordan. Um, but that, he's my best friend. Exactly. No, he's my <laughs> best friend. But that, that didn't happen just yet. Um, but man, could I watch Stephen Byrne draw all day. Love what this guy does on books. I love his Flash in particular. Um, what do you guys think of this issue? Kevin, what do you think? Uh... Well, I, I think the the throwaway line about uh, Flash eating so much and then having to to shit literally all over time like <laughs> the only thing I could picture reading that was that episode of Family Guy where Peter has to like has like a prostate exam and he like just like running back and forth. Anyway, um, but no, I think the I thought it was a really really cool issue. And if, if this whole if this whole arc is just going to be um, Ollie, you know, like teaming up with the Justice League person every issue. Uh, then I'm I'm totally fine with that. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's weird that the New Fifty Two and Beyond has really never expanded the ranks of the Justice League as much as they've been expanded in the past. And I'm not saying you need to have like the fifty member Justice League, although I love that stuff. But it's yeah. just odd to me that you know at no point except for that one brief moment, I guess of Justice League was he both in the Johns Justice League of America. And the Justice League United that Jeff Parker did? No, yes. sorry, yes. Jeff Lemire did. He was in the Lemire Justice League United. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but it's weird that he never, like, he's never been in the Justice League proper. Because he's Green Arrow. He's supposed to be a Justice Leaguer. Like, that's just, that's part of who he is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think there was, like, actually an issue of, like, John's Justice League early on where he, like, tried, it was, like, right after that initial arc where he tried to join up with them, but they kind of, like, kicked him to the curb. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. 
Uh, Zach, what do you think of this issue? I really liked it a lot. Um, I've I've liked I liked the last few issues of this series. I kind of I like the new sort of status quo, and yeah, kind of like you were saying, Kevin. Like if this is just a thing where each issue he's teaming up with, you know, a different Justice League member and making smart use of continuity, like how this issue had people from Black Hole who mm-hmm. have been a big deal over in Flash. Um, I, I thought that was, like, really smart. A good way to, like, set up the the Ninth Circle, who I have generally thought were kind of dumb, um, as kind of, like, this bigger, like, overarching threat in the DCU. I thought I thought that was really smart and, and well done. So I, I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Byrne, am I right? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to keep saying that because I'm a huge fan of this guy's work. Isn't it? Isn't it great, like, how... The, the creative team on this book, artistically, is really solid. Man, between Otto Schmidt and now Byrne and uh, uh, Juan Ferreira. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's a really, that's like a murderer's row. And they're all different, but their work all fits together, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good, good, good stuff. Um, I believe next month is Wonder Woman coming over to the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arrows and Amazons is the tagline. Oh man, this is gonna be good. I'm excited. I, I again, like this this book. I was convinced when this book was announced that this was going to be DC trying to make Green Arrow. Uh, excuse me. Oh, yawn, yawn, yawn. Uh, Green Arrow more like the Arrow TV show. Mm-hmm. And while there are little bits of that, I'm really very pleased with how the book has remained its own thing. Like, we still have, you know, we, we did get John Diggle in the book, and, you know, uh, Emmy is essentially Thea Queen, and, you know, there there are lots of things that are Arrow-ish, but it's not, it's not making the Penguin a goon of Carmine Falcone. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully this this arc, uh, Zach, like you were saying, from that, that issue of Justice League where, like, in the New 52, Green Arrow was very much outside of that circle. Like, hopefully, it looks like toward like towards the end, of, like, Flash kind of has that, that animosity towards them at the beginning, but by the end, you know, they, they're going and they're going to they're gonna team up. And so maybe they just round up the whole Justice League, and then by the end of this, you know, Ollie's kind of on that pedestal again. And hopefully something like that would lead to maybe uh, Green Arrow appearing in some, some other books and kind of a, that same level, which would be cool. Yeah. I feel like the missing Justice League title for a while was, and Jeff Parker did it for like four or five issues, was that Justice League United run where it was just almost like a Justice League task force where they just kind of cherry-picked members for different missions. I love when the Justice League operates that way. Uh, the Justice League United model. Uh, was there, oh, sorry, rather, unlimited model, you know, from the from the TV series. Yeah. Um, I love that show. Yeah. It's great. Uh, all right, that brings us to Green Lanterns number twenty-six. Uh, this was written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by Ronan Cliquet. Cliquet. Um, this was essentially Volthoom Secret Origins. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, a Frank Leminski feel uh, visually. Zach, did you pick up on that? Yeah. 
what do you guys think of this issue? I, I, I can tell you, like, I think it wasn't terrible if the goal is just to make Volthoom make some sense. This gave him some context, I guess. But I really don't care about the character any more than I did before the issue started. And to me, this is the least interesting thing they could be doing in this book right now. What do you guys um, think? I'm, I, I hate how much I don't dislike this book, <laughs> <coughs> or at least this like current arc, or you know this the stuff that's been going on in the last few issues with kind of like the the original seven Green Lanterns and all of this Volthoom stuff. I, I think I've kind of like said this before or like alluded to it, but I. Sam Humphrey's like Green Lanterns is kind of at its best, like Jeff Johns Green Lantern Light. At its best. At its mm. best, and that's what it's been these past few issues. It's like very much, kind of like you know that those same kind of like mythological tropes and story beats and building off a lot of that foundation that was already there. And I. I like it, but at the same time, I'm I like know that it's not the best, and so I'm I'm very conflicted. Kevin, what'd you think? Uh, it was okay. It was better than that that first um I guess Volthoom centric issue that they had. Um, I guess it it was kind of weird that they didn't follow up on the I guess the cliffhanger at all from um the like the anniversary issue. I think exactly what you're saying about this being like John's uh, like John's Green Lantern light. It's really interesting, like this and, and even and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps too. Um, like John's whole run was very outward building, like building the that mythology outward, like you know, including the emotional spectrum. And both of these are very like very inward. Um, and so I, where I think you know, like where John's like created Volthoom at the end of his his run and kind of went with it there. Like I I don't necessarily need all of this backstory um, for this character. Cause I feel like that, 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 that ending to John's run where he kind of appears like that, that's, that's as good as it's going to get um, for me. And so I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm right there. I feel the same. And that's kind of like, I guess where my conflict comes from. It's like, I don't need any of this. Yeah. And, and it's not even as good as like, in my opinion, like as good as what that was, but the fact that it's like coming from that, and I, I don't know. There's, and just like stuff that's like I'm totally a mark for, like all the, like the multiversal stuff, and um, just like kind of like slowly unveiling these like original Lantern characters who are all, you know, at least like kind of like visually interesting for the most part. It, it's hitting like a lot of those same beats that I think drew me into the Johns run. Mm-hmm. but not it, you know it's like it's like replaying it's like a cover band doing like the greatest hits of my favorite band basically that's yeah. interesting I, I don't think you're wrong about that I guess for me what it comes down to is just that like I love Green Lantern stories I love them they're my favorite comics like at their core I would rather probably read a Green Lantern series than almost anything else. I think the mythology is great. I think that there is so much to explore there. There are so many ideas. There's 
there's a, a limitless number of lanterns you can introduce because their power set is based on willpower. That means that every single Green Lantern can be totally different than the one that came before it. I love all that stuff so much, and I feel like what they're doing right now in both books, but especially in this book, is instead of giving you anything new, they're trying to fill in like little tiny gaps. Like this, again, like Kevin said, you don't need a Volthoom origin book because you already have one of those. Like, I don't think this, nobody's out there, but like, but what's his motivation? Nobody was, was, was like banging down Sam Humphrey's door asking about Volthoom's motivation. No one cared. It doesn't matter. And I just feel like this book is so caught up in the little minutia. The fact that we had a fucking Frank Leminski origin story is just such a indication of the fact that that they don't know what they're doing here. This is just a this is just a a, a weird retread without any real original ideas. And occasionally I I do tap my toes to the cover band, but every month it seems to me like that those those toe tappers are getting harder and harder to find. I really didn't like this issue. I, I also think that like a lot of you know we've mentioned this before, but like the double shipping schedule leads to these kinds of issues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like it, it wasn't the world's worst issue. Um, one of my least favorite comic tricks, and I feel like Dan Jurgens is the king of this. Like so many things about comics, I don't like is introducing the punchline of a joke without telling you the rest of the joke. And the guitar joke he makes twice is like the worst possible version of that. I just don't care. I just don't care. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not trying to wish anybody ill here, but I think this book will be very interesting when hopefully somebody other than Sam Humphreys is writing it. Because I think a Simon Jessica book is a really interesting idea. I just feel like this book hasn't been enough about Simon and Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay, because we have Justice League for that. You know, you're not wrong about that. (laughs) Uh, You're not wrong about that. And that actually is a nice transition into Justice League number 24. We get a, a guest creative team here of Dan Abnett and Ian Churchill doing a Amira-centric issue. Um, Kevin, what do you think of this issue? Are, are you caught up on, on Justice League at this point? I, I am. I got caught up today. I, I, I spent all day reading this like <laughs> stack of uh, comics that I had trying to get get ready for this whole thing. No, I... I kind of dug this. I love uh, Mira. Has she has she ever had like her own her own series or her own um, place where she's like been spotlighted before outside of like a handful of, of one shots like this? Uh, I mean she she kind of became a big deal during Blackest Night. She okay. was which ring did she have? Zach. She had the. Uh, she was rage. She was rage. rage. She was the Red Lantern. Yeah, uh, and that was kind of cool, but. Can you think of another real spotlight for her outside of Aquaman comics? No, outside of, definitely not outside of Aquaman comics for sure. Um, I can't think of anything. Hmm. Uh, no. I, I really dug this issue in part because I am just loving what Dan Abnett's doing with mm-hmm. all these characters in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Zach, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I like this a lot. Um, it, of all these kind of like string of of kind of like fill in issues that we've had of Justice League recently, this is far and away the best one. And and I think it's in part because it kind of works as a kind of like tie in issue to Aquaman, right? And because it highlights Mira so well. And I would love, like, I don't know how long this kind of Aquaman status quo is going to be lasting, but I would love for, like, the main Justice League book to kind of reflect it and have Mira as, like, a a regular League member, kind of like, you know, during Morrison's JLA, like, the, the team would reflect changes in, like, current you know, kind of like real time, you right, know, right. I, I would love to see that happen. I don't necessarily expect it, but it would be cool. I, I agree. And I think that one of the things that you could credit the, uh, the rebirth sort of lineup of doing is giving a few small, I mean, admittedly small shakeups to the justice league status quo by having two green lanterns there and having them, be Jessica and Simon. I think if you added Mira to the team instead of Aquaman for a while, that further is that sort of more interesting alignment of Justice League characters. Um, and what Aquaman is doing is... Are you caught up in that book yet, Zach? Yeah, yeah, I am. Like, what, what's happening in Aquaman is really interesting to me. So good. Yes. And, and especially having... Um, I I don't know how to say the artist's name. Yeah. Uh, do you? Sedgwick, <laughs> uh, we decided is how the Cedric, last name should okay. be pronounced, yeah. Okay, but um, that just that shift in the book alone is is so welcome. Not not that the like previous creative team, like art artistic teams, haven't been haven't been good, but this is um just just that shift in focus and shift to more like an Atlantean tone and a lot of like sword and sorcery type stuff and like you know, very Game of Thrones-esque with all the political maneuvering and everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I really dug uh, issue 25 a lot. Yeah. Um, I also think it was interesting to have Mira be shown as this, like, very uh, intelligent... Not, not intelligent character. This very astute character that she just heard Arthur talking about how Batman has contingencies to bring down all the Justice League members... And then, like, basically work that into her deal. Um, that was really interesting. I think Mira was handled incredibly well. I think her her grief and her rage is handled very well. Uh, yeah, this is just this is a great comic. This is very very good. This is super fun, and will I think certainly. I'm hoping this continues to to be uh, the focus of that. She continues to be a focus of the Justice League book for a little while. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but I hope it's going to happen. Um, all right, that brings us over to uh, Nightwing number 24, the third part of the uh, blockbuster storyline written by Tim Seeley and illustrated by, um, is it Miguel Mendaka? I got to find my yes. credits page here. Yeah. Miguel Mendaka. Yeah, Mendaka. Um, Vince and I were saying last time, this is not our favorite of Celia's run so far. 
And I think I think nothing in this issue changed the way I felt about that. Although I do love a good Magog appearance. <laughs> um, I don't think this is the best Nightwing has been. What do you guys think? You go first, Kevin. Um, yeah, I think this this arc for me has kind of been uh, a bit of a a bit of a downer. And also, I guess I'm not like the art on this book has been really really good. Like I, I really like Javi Fernandez and yep. um, and Mickey Young. Mm-hmm. Um, like if Mickey Young drew every DC book, I think I would be over the moon. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just this just kind of seems like it seems off. And and also to like the only part of this book that I care about is all the the Sean stuff. And and it, it's it seems to me too like that's kind of about to to go out the window. Like I think they're headed for for a, an ending to that relationship. Um, especially because you know the, the damn solicits in in September have uh, Dick and and Barbara making out on the cover of one of the I think it's Batgirl, but yeah. so I, I think I think that and that that I guess bothers me a little bit, but um, but yeah, that's Zach. What do you think? Yeah, this was like one of the biggest slogs to catch up on, which really surprised me. Um having to like go back and read like these last two or three, however many issues it was, it, it was tough. Um, I'm, I'm not really feeling this arc. I wonder what it is. Do you think the art has a lot to do with that? I think, I think it's a part of it. Yeah, for sure. I also think that it's just like, I don't really care about like the stuff with tiger shark or, or blockbuster at all. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, th- I think it's all, all of those things kind of together. And I totally agree that the, the stuff with Sean is the most interesting. Um, but it's kind of been sidelined a little bit. But I also, I also just like, uh, I, I hate like relationship spats and things like that. And like the, the, the drama in this is, it, I mean, it's good. Like, it's it's like really well written, but it's also just kind of mundane and also just kind of like painful to watch after they had that, you know, just such like wonderful, you know, early puppy love stage. So, yeah. I mean, that's like sad. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Uh, one of the things I think is hard about this book is that I think this is true for both this end for Aquaman in a way, which is that there were these great, great arcs that were then followed up by mediocre arcs. Like that, that arc that we just basically said was a predator movie, uh, masquerading as an Aquaman story. The last, the one before, I guess the, not the most recent arc, the one before that. Yeah. The H 2.0. Yes. And, you know, not big fans of that arc for a lot of reasons, but I feel like that's, sort of how this book feels right now. We're like, it's not bad. It's just we're holding it up to the five or six arcs before that were so good that it's there's almost no way they could have, you know, carried up to that level. Um, but I'm excited to see what comes next for uh, for this book. Any other Nightwing thoughts? Yeah, it just, it, it feels like, like you are saying with Aquaman, like like this arc is the, the first one that doesn't matter. Um, and that's, that's really first, like everything, you know, like the, the first arc was about transitioning from, from being a, being a spy and then you had to be in Bloodhaven. 
Um, and then, you know, that the Grant Morrison homage and like, this is just kind of spinning its wheels until the next big thing. And that's, that's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break from the books that matter and talk about the three books quickly that don't matter at all. Uh, first one is Bane Conquest, number three, written by Chuck Dixon, illustrated by Graham Nolan. Uh, did either of you guys take the time to read this? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> of course you didn't, Zach. You mercenary. Uh, Kevin, did you read this issue at all? Uh, I, I did. I did. Uh, why is Bane like a fucking luchador? Um, I mean, that that's always like kind of... The Bane subtext, not always, that's the wrong way to put it. That's been a part of the Bane subtext for a long time. But I, I feel like... originally, it was more... I, the more modern Bane is not that. Well, the, the most modern Bane is naked and just says, I am Bane all the time. Well, as uh, you should. No, the most modern Bane is, is multi-Bane. Multi multi-Bane, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just funny because i cause, you know because i've been re- reviewing young justice for the site and there's that episode of young justice when they're at santa prisca and like bane is the most like stereotypically um hispanic character that you could you could ever imagine and so like this kind of feels like that um and he also just kind of feels like an idiot and i i don't really appreciate that yeah this is you know I have very mixed feelings on DC allowing these character creators to come back for these miniseries. On one hand, I would much rather these guys and Len Wein and, you know, um, these creators come back for these books that don't really matter because they're not going to fuck up continuity that way. Or, like, take away a job. I I don't think that there was a Bane miniseries that was going to go to, like... Uh, Mags Visaggio or someone I'd love to see right at DC, right? Like, this wasn't going to happen unless it's the creators. So you're not taking necessarily a job away from a young, hungry creator. And on the other hand, you're letting these char- these creators celebrate, like, their, their legacies. And I think that that's, there's a value in that. I just don't care, personally. And I wish this was better. Because I like Nolan's artwork. I do. And I think that it's just a weird fit. And uh, there's like a dude that's like a human slug in this, and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have too much more to say about this. Anybody else? All right. Uh, that brings us to Cyborg, written by Will Semper, illustrated by uh, sorry uh, John Semper Jr. Illustrated by Will Conrad. Um, who cares? <laughs> I actually didn't hate this issue as much as I have the the previous thirteen. Was it because of Beast Boy showing up? A little bit, a little bit, and I think this book is best when when Will Conrad's uh, drawing it. Oh, but absolutely, it, yeah. It just like kind of feels like, I mean, like this is obviously what they've been building to. I don't understand why Cyborg doesn't know who Beast Boy is and why um, he's like Mister Fantastic and his arms stretch everywhere, um, <laughs> but. But I don't know, this is the first issue that I wasn't like, this absolutely sucks. Um, I don't know. I, I Maybe it'll get better? I I am... think... Go oh. ahead, Zach. Oh, I didn't say anything. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, good thing. Go uh, ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. It just, like, it kind of seems, you know, like with that with that ending, I guess with, you know, teasing that the metal men are coming, that like, maybe, you know, this is going to finally carve out its place with all the, like, 
technology esque heroes of or villains of the DCU, and and you know that's maybe not a bad place for it to be. Um, it certainly isn't. Uh, what I find is interesting is the the only two books, sorry, the only three books that I'm aware of that dropped from twice monthly to monthly are Cyborg, Deathstroke, and Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is not like the other, because Aquaman and Deathstroke are both books that probably are not selling as well as they hoped, but are both in the middle of these like very, very strong creative runs that will probably do well in bookstores and will probably set the characters on their path for the mm-hmm. next few years. And I feel like I don't know a single person that's reading Cyborg. I don't know a single person that's liking Cyborg on a regular basis. Sure. So I don't know why... The cyborg creative team hasn't been replaced the way like, in August. Tim Seeley is taking over the Hellblazer because Simon Oliver has been doing a boring, boring book there. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised DC pulled the plug on that. I don't know what DC sees in this book. Yeah, and I, and it almost makes me think because I remember you know at the beginning when Rebirth started that they they kind of said like every book, every storyline in all these books is, is leading to somewhere and is going to be a part of, part of this larger narrative. And so I wonder if, if Simper's building to something that could maybe potentially be kind of interesting, um, which would be the only reason that they have a pull. Because I agree, like, if, uh, who would be a, a good writer? Do you, like, if, you know, if somebody like Scott Snyder came on and, and wrote, who does all that weird batshit pseudoscience stuff and wrote Cyborg, like, that could potentially be interesting. Or if somebody, you know, who came in and kind of leaned into the the fact that you know Cyborg's the youngest member of the of the Justice League has all these Teen Titan connections and like wrote him as like that hero rather than trying to do all these weird uh, techno space battle things like everyone seems to want to do like that could potentially be interesting. There are so many things that I think you could do with this character that are not retreading all this old ground that everyone seems to to think is really awesome. I agree with that. I think that DC possibly, and they should be interested in this, is glad they have a person of color writing Cyborg. So I, I would yeah. I would like to see a person of color take over if you're going to get a new creative team. But there are many, many people who'd be a better choice. I would even love to see maybe, maybe wrap up Cyborg, but have Cyborg show up over in Deathstroke. Ooh. That would be cool. really interesting, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing. You know, that was kind of the undertone like especially watching that sort of like painful moment in the in the rebirth announcement where they're you know rolling out the creators and we've we've talked about that before but like there's so many things that they still haven't done like the the milestone stuff and like so many other things that they could be doing that uh, i don't know like you don't want it you don't want to like feel like you're just you know succumbing to tokenism and and i feel like a lot of times when there's no follow-through then then that is sort of what you get yeah exactly um but yeah um i don't know why he doesn't know who beast boy is that's really weird you would think even just like because he's so in tune with the Justice League Watchtower computer, there has to be like files on other superheroes in this computer in that computer, right? Yeah. It's just very, very weird. They're probably like all set up like in Batman versus Superman where they all have like their own icon and you just like <laughs> sit and watch them. 
<laughs> yep, that sounds just about right to me. Uh, and the last of the trio of books that I don't care about is the one I couldn't even... I started the page through it, and I stopped because I care so little. <laughs> and that's Harley Quinn. Did either of you guys read Harley Quinn? No. I, I know you didn't. So I just, <laughs> uh, Kevin, did you read Harley Quinn? Uh, not, not well. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't, I don't understand why this book exists. Uh, it seems it, like there's an audience out there that really loves it. And I'm glad, I guess, but I'm happy, I, that's yeah. not for me. Yeah. Bless them. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like it, it doesn't matter. And I think, like I've said on on the show, for like the the injustice version of Harley Quinn is like the best version of Harley. Why why can't we get a Harley Quinn that that like is I guess is is funny and quirky in the way that Palmati and Connor's Harley Quinn is, but like also has a place in the DCU that that seems like it matters to people. I don't know. I think you can have both. But yeah, injustice Harley's really good. What I find to be interesting is that I don't see any through line between the Palmiati and Connor Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad Harley Quinn right now. No. No. It's almost like there are three Harleys along with three Jokers. Dang, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the, the twist? How twisted would that be? That would be I'd certainly be damaged at the end of that. Guys, Mr. Oz is totally Harley Quinn. What was that? Mr. Oz is totally hard. <laughs> did you guys see the article I wrote today about that? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm with you. I like it. I buy it. I, I, I don't even buy it, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> I liked your rationale, at least. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, How crazy is it, that, that, like, between this book and the, the like, New 52 one that, we have over 50 issues of this like creative team on, on Harley Quinn. Like it's just like going. That is pretty crazy. Actually. What was the last team to have that long of a run in a book? I mean like Snyder on Batman and. Yeah, I guess Snyder lasted all of the new 52. And John's lasted all the new 52. On Justice League, but yeah, that, that's like pretty much it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, speaking of of Palmiati, the Palmiati and Gray Jonah Hex ran for like seventy five issues, with them writing all of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely like still. I mean, I guess I just I haven't checked the sales in a while, but I I'm sure it's still probably pretty high up there. For them, let me see. Because I know for like a long time it was one of their top sellers. Yeah. Let's see, May is the most recent one. Harley is, if I could type, uh, it's actually like a good deal lower now. Yeah. What's it at? Uh, issue 19, was it number 43, 20, was it 45? But what is that? 43,000 copies sold? No, no, like number 43 oh, okay, yeah. on the list. So like, uh, 
uh, about 40,000 okay. sold, which is, like, still pretty good. That is respectable, yeah. It's not the kind it, – like, it was part of, like, you know, the holy trinity of uh, – it was, like, Batman, Justice League, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right, well, that brings us back to the, the last two books of the week, the two books that, that matter. Uh, Shade the Changing Girl, number 10. Written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Marley Zarconi. Uh, this continues the sort of intersection of the Shade story with the uh, the sitcom story. Was it Life with Honey? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this also has a lot of uh, atomic bomb stuff going on. It it sees people from from Mimetta showing up on Earth to try and take uh, the. Uh, What's it called? What's her what's her coat what's her coat called? Uh the the mad the madness The mad, madness coat, yeah. Trying to take the madness coat from her. Um this sort of brought together a lot of threads from the first nine issues of the book. Uh Zach, what do you think of this issue? It's uh it's still really good. Like I think, you know, consistently with, with Doom Patrol being kind of infrequent and and whatever, this is you know, probably the consistently the the best of the the young animal books. Uh, I I am I'm gonna still fight for Cave Carson, but but I appreciate your opinion. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, I I agree. It's like I think this is the the best of the the young animal books for me. You guys, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I I just I like um like I I like all the all the crazy like the the shade quotes throughout the whole thing like I think that's what always gets me um just like reading all the like crazy philosophy shit and what they come up with um I I haven't read the the last the the issue before this of this one so I don't know how they like how she went back in time or anything okay um, but but no, I I love this I love this book I mean it's it's certainly good I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shit on the book. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. We uh, know you really secretly hate it, Brian. <laughs> no, I just love uh, specifically the wild dog in, uh, <laughs> in Cave Carson. Understandable. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the best. He's he's really he's good. He's the wild dog. He's the wild dog, yeah. Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is the best single line of any young animal book so far, for sure. Uh but yeah, just just you know, we're really lucky with Young Animal. And I was thinking about that uh, as I was reading this issue. Like, this is one of those books that would have seemed absolutely impossible a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that DC could be publishing this book would seem just patently absurd. And thank goodness we uh, we live in the world that we do. We get this. Um, anything else to add? Do you think we're getting more young animal? You think we'll at at San Diego? I think they'll announce any any more new young animal titles or anything. That's a good question. Uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these books end and we get new books in their place. Mm. Like I think Shade, for as good as it is, seems like a limited series to me. Yeah, it could be a twenty four issue limited series, but it's going to be. I can't see it being an ongoing in perpetuity. 
so I could I could see the book maybe ending and shifting into something else. Um, I don't know, Zach. Do you have any opinion about that? About like new books or old books going away? Either. Or either. Um, I will be surprised if we don't get at least like one announcement of a new book. And I also think that one of the books will be canceled, and I think it will not be one of the ones we really like. Mother Panic? Yeah. Last week, both Paul and Vince were big on the Mother Panic tip. Interesting. I haven't read that issue yet. Mm. Uh, John Paul Leon does the art for it. Well, that is my, that is good. Yeah. It is. Yeah, this 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 book is interesting because I I feel like it could be um, moving towards a conclusion, but it could also easily keep going for you know a dozen more issues. So right, it's hard to, it's hard to say. Yeah, I I I'd be surprised if this book winds up being the longest tenured of the Young Animal books. I think this is the one that has the most uh, finite story. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. And that brings us to our final book of the week, uh, Superman number 26 from another uh, guest creative team, which I, I somehow missed this was happening. And uh, I was like, man, Superman looks like Jay Leno in this book. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, then I realized Michael Morisi and uh, Scott Godlewski were doing the issue. I'm a big Maurice fan, but man, does Superman look like Jay Leno through this whole book? Is it the world's biggest chin? Well, and John looks like uh, whatever the whatever the fuck guy actor who played uh, Superman on Smallville. So oh, Tom Welling. Oh. Yeah. I that's a good call too. You're right. Yeah. So I I was trying to find what was the best. Superman dialogue to read in a Jay Leno voice. And I think it's from the title page. Was, That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> like, it's just the, the issue gets so much better. Watch for that debris goose, Superboy. When you, when you think of him just saying everything in, in Jay Leno voice. That's right. Keep on coming. Come on. Come on. That's right. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a, it was a weird visual choice. But I will say, I did... I'm I'm a big sucker for a podcast story, so I really enjoyed this issue on that on that tip. What'd you guys think? Yeah, it was it was a nice little you know like fill in issue. Um, I'm with you too. Like I like I'm a big like anything co you know involving Smallville and and Clark's youth. I'm I like that stuff so. Yeah, it was a nice like palate cleanser after the 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 very dark Manchester Black arc. Yes. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I guess, appreciated the the pocket aspect aspect of the the story. I think that, like, I think it's a good story. I just think it was a, a weird follow up, I guess, to to the last um, story arc because, like, you know, this this whole one shot is about, I guess, like, um. Uh, like Superman and like John being rebellious and all this stuff. Whereas like, I felt like the, the last, I don't know, like the, the whole last arc was really about like finally, I guess like solidifying him as, as somebody 
who like is on I guess like on the same level as as Superman or just like it was it's ba- it was basically like Tomasi's version of you know the what's so funny about true justice in the American way like trying to corrupt corrupt John and say like no this world is not like what it seems and so like to see him go from this kind of like um, I guess like innocent uh, you know figure to like just being like a a jackass preteen uh, is was kind of odd. He acts more like Damien in this issue, I think, than he has in so far in Rebirth. Yes, absolutely. This was definitely the that most Damien. a bad influence. He's hanging out with him too much. It's true. Uh, didn't the last issue, didn't, or was it in Trinity? I mean, in uh, Super Sons, didn't they actually say at one point that Damien was a bad influence? I'm sure. I, I can't remember off the Probably. top of my head, but I, I'm sure it, it's come up, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, th- this was fine. You know, this is about as good and inoffensive as a tie-in can get. Not a tie-in, sorry, a fill-in can get. It's not to the Justice League Mira level of uh, of enjoyment, but it's it's certainly not the worst fill-in we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add about it, boys? No, I think that I think that wraps it up for me. Well, Zach, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Kevin, it's nice to have you on the show for the first time. Will not be the last time, I promise. We'll have you back again oh, at cool. some point. And um, yeah, uh, Zach, did you figure out if uh, the casting is actually next week? Oh, I am. Let me double check. I'm like ninety nine percent positive it is. Though, yeah. Let's see. June 12th, um, July 12th, yes. Oh, man. I'm so mad I'm missing that. Oh, well. We'll, uh, we'll do our best Brian impersonation. If you just, like, text us what you think, we'll... Oh, now I'm going to definitely do that. Either Vince or I will we'll recreate you. I, I want the two of you and Mike to do it. I want all three of you to do dueling Brian impressions. <laughs> It'll be really hard for me to not do... The deal? You, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's fucking great, okay? <laughs> um but yeah. But yeah, um you can you can follow all three of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at SirFox89. Uh, and I'm at KB Gregory13. And uh I we said in the fall uh, Kevin is launching a, a new podcast for Multiversity. It's going to kind of be a sister show to this show in a weird way. I don't want to say too much about it because we're still working out the kinks, but I'll say this. It'll be as close to Multiversity putting out a a, a Marvel version of this podcast with, with some with some changes. But it, I'm very excited about it. And uh, Are we going to have a Hickman Fantastic Four episode? I we think can, we're going to have to. We can do that first off. <laughs> Oh, now we have to make it happen, apparently. So there we go. Um, But anyway, guys, thanks for listening, as always. And uh, until next time, RIP Vince.